thank you for joining us my fellow lovers of love for this next journey down the stream of consciousness towards the river of something on towards the ocean oh, i'm gonna have to write that love. i actually had a new one and i should have written it and i was going now remember guess what you don't remember i never remember i have <laughs> I have to go back and listen to the old ones or something. I don't know. It went, I went too long without doing them. I really should. We say we're unscripted. Well, the conversation is unscripted. Doesn't mean I have to not script the intro. Right. You know, I suppose I could script the intro. Yeah. Or I could have someone make one for me. It's, it's another option. Or do it with you. Yeah. Well, or, you know, we'd hardly be the first one to have someone else do the intro. And here's Johnny. You know, oh, well, I see what you're saying. You know, it's, we can do that in the intro just as easy as anything else. All right. Well, anyway, after all that disaster, that was was an intro to the show, which I need a quarter because I think I need to put quarters in the jar for like the last two or three shows. But I'll find a dollar and throw it in there. So welcome, everybody, for our lovers of love down this journey of whatever we're going to have it's going to have to happen tonight. We do have stuff on tap. So where do you want to start tonight, Levy? Where do I want to start tonight? Yeah. Well, I'd like to start with it's been lovely spring weather. I hope everyone is enjoying spring. And I like to say, start with four phrases child therapists want us to stop saying to our kids. That's the one thing I actually didn't get a chance to <laughs> So talk about unscripted. I got, well, because I realized I had to get the studio put back together and because it was in disarray. It wasn't ready for a show. So, and after I, so I scrambled. I got it all done. We're all set. Yeah, we're all set. It looks yeah. great. But I didn't get to, I did the review of all the other stuff we're doing today. And even the couple that, for to filler, just in case. That's just, okay. We'll struggle through it. We'll struggle through it. Hey, I'm, I'm pretty good at, good at these. Actually, it's right here on my screen because it was the next one I was supposed to look into. <laughs> all right. You ace that test. You're so smart. That's number one. You're supposed to compliment the effort. Not the results. That depends on the child. So many of these things are so child dependent that it, you want to be careful. Now, I, I actually get it. You don't want to set up a condition where the child is looking for that continual positive reinforcement. And the only reason they're putting any effort in is so they can get the you're so smart. And that if they actually happen to try and they don't do well, then it becomes crushing or you end up giving them a participation trophy, which actually makes them feel worse because kids are smart. They know they don't deserve it. And, <laughs> you know, kids aren't dumb. <laughs> we as parents, we think kids are stupid. Kids aren't dumb. They know. They know that kid who gets a trophy for coming in last, the participation trophy. Now, if it's an effort trophy, it's a different thing. But if everybody gets one, Right, if you got the people who won, and then you got the guy who tried his heart out, but he just is not good enough to play, but you give him a trophy because no one tried harder. 
right? And so you give them an award for the effort. That's a different thing than a participation trophy where you get a trophy for essentially showing up. But it's, kids are so different. I mean, I raised five, and each one of them you have to you'd have to deal with differently. On um, some, you you want to reward the, you want to give them the, the added benefit of hey, you struggled with this. You know, it shows you you can be smarter than you think you are. You can grasp something that you didn't think you can, and and so there is that, but. You want to do it in a way that doesn't set up. If they don't do well, it's a crushing thing. That if they try hard and they don't do well, it's like, well, you got to trust in the process. You didn't do well this time, but you've learned, and next time you can do better. You learned where your weaknesses are. You know where to go find and get help. And so there's ways to do it. And the second part of this is when you're raising uh, your first child at five or seven years old, you don't know any of this. So it's very easy for us to say who between the two of us to raise eight children plus what a couple others of struggles that's, you know, kind of we've impact, like to the game. Yeah. We've impact have impact on their life. But so there's a vastly difference. So I'm not, we're not throwing stones that it's a tough parenting is a tough gig. And by the time you learn what your child needs, you've already made mistakes <laughs> because that's how you find out what your freaking children need. <laughs> So we just want to be careful. It's very easy for, for us for it to seem like we're nitpicking or something, and we're really not. It's a tough gig. There's finding the right answer is very difficult. You often don't know if you hit it or not until decades later. That's the truth. And you don't know how you don't know how well you did or didn't do until they're thirty years old. That's the scary thing. You can only do your best. So, hey. but it's not terrible. It's just, yeah, be careful about what you're saying and why you're saying it, I think is a better way to kind of phrase that. Okay, number two, did you have a good day? Now, they say this sets them up. When you ask your child if things are fine or good, you're giving them a message that you want everything to be okay. <sighs> so it's like putting them under pressure. Yes and no. I can see where they're coming from, especially if you're a, someone like me who's an anxious kid. I didn't want to answer, talk. If there was something I wanted to talk about my my day, I would tell you. I just, don't ask me questions. I need to go. You know, decompress. I've just dealt with a thousand unruly, loud kids. You know, and despite the fact that I'm an unruly loud child myself, I need to go turn the music up to ten and 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 drown out the noise of screaming children, whatever it is. And so, you, again, you go back to having to know your child and try to understand your child. But it's not terrible advice to be careful how you ask that question. Those routine, what we feel. How was your day? You know, kids. If for most of the days are like if their kids' days are just like our days, they're generally the same. You go to school, you you do stuff you don't want to do for most of the day. You laugh sometimes with your friends. You you hang out, you have a good time at recess, and you come home and you eat eat dinner. 
it, there's not a lot to say <laughs> most days. Unless something out of the ordinary happens, there's not a lot to talk about. At least from a guy's perspective. Women are different, and I don't know when that starts. But they don't want to talk to you about you with your parents, that's for damn sure. <laughs> Even those who are close. And unless there's something they need your opinion on, they don't want to talk to you about their friends' relationship with their friends. Unless they need help with something. Always mine didn't. Of course, you know, I raised four boys who were gamers. You could tell exactly what they were feeling about their friends at any particular moment in time. I had, <laughs> I had three girls. It was a bit overwhelming at times. See, and that's the difference, I guess, is you got, you know, I, my house is overloaded with boys and your house is overloaded with girls. So what was, what's the difference? It was a lot of emotion. But that's teenage for you. That's Yeah, but when did that start? When does that start? About 10? Right around when they hit double digits? Uh, like try six with little girls. Oh, good Lord. I guess yes. someone was about seven, I suppose, if I really wanted to. Then it got to be about the friends. Yeah, well, this, my daughter was the youngest, and so she had their three brothers. And so it's not even fair to make, to make any kind of judgment. I'm so you know it's amazing she has any femininity to her at all. Tells you the power of genetics. She's and, a delightful young lady. Yeah, I know. That's what I mean. And how it happened, I don't know how she didn't become essentially a boy. And, she is who she is. A boy and you know a woman's body is beyond me. It's because. I didn't know what the hell I was doing. I boys, I can raise. What's this thing? I don't understand. <laughs> <laughs> we did all right, but you know, we struggled through it. But we kind of struggled through it together, which I suppose is probably the the point was the the best thing. We struggled through it together. We didn't pretend that we knew what the hell we were doing. We <laughs> kind of laughed about the absurdity of it all and just kind of accepted it. I probably was the best thing to do. Just acknowledge that I have no idea. I can raise boys. I don't know. If you need something girlish, I can talk to you. I can find you, a, you know, your grandmother, your aunt, your friends. I can find you someone to talk. I don't know. <laughs> There's questions I couldn't answer. I can't answer. I'm not the person to answer, and I was smart enough to know that. You find someone who they're comfortable talking to. Yeah, a nurse, somebody, someone's mom, you know, who are you comfortable with? Anybody in the family? We run through the list. Ah, there we go. There's someone. So let's go. <laughs> What's she gonna do? Well, it turned out lovely. So far, so far, so good. Okay, number three, deal with it. You're supposed to. You're not supposed to say too bad. Don't deal with it. You're not supposed to say that. You're because so, that makes them feel that they're not heard. You're supposed to acknowledge their their emotions without giving in to their tantrums. Yeah. Well, then they wouldn't like my responses. 
builds character. <laughs> yeah, it's good to want things. It builds character where you don't get it. <laughs> Sounds like a personal problem. <laughs> well, at least, hey, I heard it, right? Sounds like a personal problem. <laughs> so maybe it works. Oh, that's some, some favorite ones. My kids starting to use them on their own children. That sounds like a personal problem. You start to use that one. Well, it's because it is. You've heard them, but it's not my problem. Sorry, you, it's your problem. You're going to have to go deal with that when you're on your own. And there's times you got to tell your children that. You, you know, you, you can't always protect them. Sometimes preparing them for the world and preparing them for realities is the best way to protect them. I'm not cocooning them and so saying yeah that's your problem you're gonna have to deal with it when it gets serious let me know <laughs> and i'll help but for now you're gonna have to deal with it there's it seems cold but in the long run it's not you know you have to understand your child and, and what what's going on and so you do have to actually listen well your this. children are all very self-sufficient for the most part. <laughs> you know, hey, you know, we're all flawed. So, you know, all of us as human beings are flawed. You know one more than Well, me. nobody gets out of here without having problems, but... So, you know, it is... But they like handling their own problems. Yes, they, they like dealing... Well, they like dealing with their own problems. They don't like turning to... No, they're not afraid to turn to somebody if they need to. But, you know, they try to avoid it. They try to work it out on their own as best they can. And they go to people for advice, which is nice. It's nice. That was took me a long time to learn. It was nice to for them to have learned that in their early 20s. They learned a lot of lessons I didn't learn until my late 30s and their 20s. And so I figure that is doing a pretty flipping good job at, <laughs> in terms of, you know, improving the, you know, if they're learning the lessons at 25 that I learned at 35, then I'm a decade ahead. Success. <laughs> well, you want your children to be better than you, right? It's you, the teacher wants their students to be better. They want them. To, that's the whole point of. You know, I don't. Not one of those things that you believe you keep at part of your education in your back pocket, so you can always be better than your student. No, you teach them everything you need to know. You want them to be better. You want those who follow you to be better than you. You want them to be better human beings. Why wouldn't you? I don't get. I've never understood why people want to keep life secrets to themselves. Or even professional secrets to themselves. Share that stuff, man. Make the world a better place. Now, I get. Intellectual property and making money and all that kind of stuff. That's a different thing. But, you know. Anyway, we've gone way off of a tangent on that one. Okay, number <laughs> four. I'm glad that's over. Um, apparently, you're going to... You're, uh, it sets them up. You're supposed to teach perseverance. You're supposed to say, that was hard, but worth it. Well, what if it wasn't worth it? What if it was just hard? Yeah. 
<laughs> I mean, you, uh, no, I get you wanted to teach them perseverance. And, and I get that you want to be careful about how you set these things up. But there's times when you're glad something's over. Why the hell can't you express that? When you as a parent and a child, I'm glad that's over. It was that bit preparing for the SATs. Maybe it was worthwhile. Maybe not. Maybe you ended up not going to the college one anyway. Maybe you decided to go travel for Europe and you get a job and you go do something else and the SATs were completely useless. Maybe you spent three years in law school and then decided you wanted to be an artist and dropped out. So you're just glad that mess is, is over. There's nothing wrong with that. You know, maybe you're a, a kid and you wanted to go, to, you wanted to try basketball camp and you found out you hated it. But you went to the end of it. You, you, you've got nothing actually out of it other than the fact that you completed it because your dad paid 300 bucks and you're getting dang well finish it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah, I'm glad it's over. We're all glad it's over. Dad's glad it's over. He didn't want to take you there anyway, but, you know, he paid 300 bucks. He's damn well going to take you. <laughs> so... So, yeah, you want to teach perseverance, but being glad something was over isn't diminish the fact that you got through it. It just means you're glad that it's freaking over. It's not saying, well, I'm quitting because it's, no, it's, it's, you're glad that it's over. It means it's finished. Now, and it, there's also, there's not always uh, a problem with quitting. You know, it's the sunken cost fallacy. You've gone so far into this, you might as well finish it off. Yeah, but what opportunity are you losing by spending the time and energy doing that that you know you're not going to get any more benefit out of when you could be better off spending somewhere else? Simply because you've already put in the time and effort to get this far. So you might as well go to the end, but you don't want to get there. You're going to get there, and then you're just going to go hop over to that other lane anyway, so might as well just go to that dang lane now. It's, I mean, it's not an easy question, and so it's not obvious which one is the best way to go. So, so I'm not making that kind of decision. It's just, it's not obvious. When to quit, when to say, you know what, enough is enough. In anything you do. Yeah, it's always a tough decision. Yeah. You know, I put in a lot of time and effort into this relationship. When do I walk away? hard one you know in the job you know you become miserable at a job but you put in 15 years and you've got pensions and seniority and all this other stuff but you're miserable when do you walk away there's no easy answer there's no right answer you know right. no one no one else can tell you what's right <laughs> so you know but there are hard questions and so I don't think there's anything wrong with telling your child the truth. If you're glad it's over, tell them you're glad it's over. Now, it shouldn't stop at that. That's part of a conversation. But you know what? We're setting this up for we're essentially manipulating our children rather than just telling them the truth and expressing ourselves and having them express themselves and listen and work our way through these things. Stop trying to manipulate to where the end goes. As long as everybody's trying hard and doing their best and making the best effort 
you know what? You'll get to where you want to be. You won't know it because you don't know what that is yet. That's the silly thing about it. You don't know where you want to be until you get there. Because it's impossible. It grows organically. changes. Where you think you want to go isn't really where you want to go. And by the time you get there, you, you're a different human. You're a different person. doesn't mean you don't think about it. But, you know, don't set it in stone. <laughs> draw, draw it in your pencil. <laughs> Become good at pencil art. So you, so you can redraw your picture. We're not all good at that. I know I'm not. So we got we got 20 minutes. We got 20 minutes in. So it's your turn to pick one of your articles. Okay, we've got well oh, we get to I swear to God, we're gonna sound like we're picking on poor Slate magazine over here. So because we're I'm always finding something there. So we're gonna talk they have this issue about her teen's intense school anxiety is ruining her in their family life. Is actually the the letter. Uh, their sixteen year old daughters is hornlessly anxious about school and test taking. They've never pressured her about grades. The message they value their the health and happiness more than her marks. And then this, she attends a high pressure magnet school where peers are extremely grade focused. Now. <laughs> Well, that's a clue right there. Well, well, right there, you're sending mixed messages. You're telling your child that that grades and stuff are, aren't as important as your health and well-being. Then you send them to a magnet school where she's extremely anxious. And, you know, I, you, there's a connection right there. that Because what you tell her. And what you're showing her by sending her to a high-pressure school is different. She's going to believe what she sees, not what she what she hears. You're sending her to a high-pressure, grade-focused school. She doesn't give one, two craps what you comes out your mouth. You're sending her to a high-pressure, grade-focused school. What you say means nothing. You sent her to a high-pressure, grade-focused school. You can tell her that grades aren't as important as your health and all that well-being while you're watching her health, her mental health deteriorate. And, <laughs> and she gets physically sick from nerves multiple mornings and months, especially when a test is coming. SAT turned into a knockdown, drag-out battle every weekend. Manager was studying. She didn't and bombed the test, which, of course, because she doesn't have the study skills to suit her, her, her thing. And now, so now she's feeling awful because she's starting to feel resentful about all the effort and time she's putting in and not getting the results she wants. And that's the thing. And she feels it's taking time away from the two younger children. And it is. But she's the adult. And I may be a little personal on this because having grown up through this, and now when I grew up, when I was this child, 
you know, I can relate to this very well. When I was a child, we didn't know squat about anxiety disorders. We didn't know nothing. And so it's understandable that we just struggled and, and just kind of did the best we could. And the fact that I had a loving family and household, you know, as difficult as my life was, it could have been worse. And I actually appreciate that more and more every day. But this is clearly an anxiety issue, and you're clearly sending mixed messages to your child, and now you're frustrated because you're not getting the results you actually want because, quite frankly, I think you want your child to be highly focused. She wants her child to be focused and great focus. Otherwise, you wouldn't send them to that school. That school environment is clearly not the right for her. Clearly. You're admitting it. But she also states in her letter that she that we think forcing her to switch schools would hurt her mental health even more. No, it wouldn't. She loves her friends and her teachers. No, she doesn't. She thinks she does. She's sick multiple times every month from nerves. The environment is bad for her. You, as a parent, have to make the proper decision. I wish I had... It's the one mistake I wish I had, had changed. So it's one thing I would have done. I would have trusted my instinct and sent my daughter to a smaller school. But they wanted to go to the school. She wanted to go to school with her friends. She wanted to... It's, I know it's a hard thing, but it's the one thing I would have done differently. I fine. Let you hate me. It's my job as a parent. You're not always supposed to like me. I'm supposed to do what's best for you. It's not the proper environment for you. Deal with it. Because then she wouldn't have hated going to school. She would have hated me. Fine. She'll get over hating me. As long as she doesn't hate the school. Now, the trick is, if she hates the school you send her to at the same time, then you've got both. <laughs> but she's going to find friends. She's going to like her teachers. If she likes her teachers at the old new school, she's going to at the old school. She's going to like her teachers at the new school because she likes teachers. That's just the way these things work. If you like teachers, you like teachers because, I mean, not all teachers are the same, but culturally, teachers are all more or less the same. If you get along with teachers, you get along with teachers. Not all of them, but if you get along with 70% of the teachers in one school, it's a pretty good bet you're going to roughly get along with 70% of the teachers in your next school. It's just the way culture works and the culture of you know schools and teachers. But it's... There's a lack of understanding, and it is. Anxiety, a child with severe anxiety is a drain on the whole family. The whole family suffers. They really do, Be especially when you don't know what to do because they're just as frustrated. They love you. They want to care about you. They don't want to see you suffer. They want what's best for your future, and they think they're trying to accomplish it, and, and it's all falling apart. No one understands why. And it's called an anxiety disorder for a reason because it doesn't make any goddamn sense. <laughs> you know, it's called disorder for a freaking reason. If it made sense, it wouldn't be called a disorder. 
It's the word dis right in front of the order. You know, order makes sense, has an order to it. <laughs> dis doesn't make sense anymore. <laughs> it's, it's right there in the phrasing. And, and I struggle with this because I want to be compassionate because it's difficult. But we also now have the knowledge. She says it multiple times. She's anxiety. All the signs are staring her in the face. And she doesn't want to watch them and listen. And that she's so worried about it that she's writing a letter to Slate Magazine. So she's desperate. And she thought about, I don't know, asking her doctor. Going to an anxiety psychologist. Well, that's what they suggest. Yeah. Okay, now, do we want to take our break now and come back and talk about... No, we'll finish about, it. We'll finish we'll this finish one. Okay. Now, I like that they suggested this is a family issue. So the family needs to be in counseling. They need to go to family counseling. Well, it's a daughter issue. The daughter's issue needs to be dealt with individually, and then there's also a family issue. There's two things. The daughter, you cannot put the daughter into the family issue at the same time. They're separate issues. The family issue is a consequence of the daughter's issues, but the daughter's issues have to be dealt with on her own. Otherwise, you're not respecting her, her journey. It's an individual journey. No one else can go through that journey for her. And she has to be able to go through it on her own. There is two things to do. There is the there is the daughter's issues and and teaching her and helping her learn how to cope and deal with and become stronger against her anxiety. And then there's the family having to cope with all the trauma that has been created as she's dealing with this, has dealt with this, as they become to understand it, as she becomes to understand it. Because guess what? There's more trauma coming. She's already a teenager. She's already preparing for the SATs. We've this is we're down the path. There's more trauma coming. Even if you successfully from this moment start to deal with it. Because you have created problems in the past. Trauma builds trauma. And as you deal with it, there's gonna be strong emotions. And, you know, working through those is traumatic at best. It's devastating at worst. But they care. And they're trying. So there's always hope. If you care and you try. Yes, there's always hope. There's always hope that you come out the other side. Because what else can you do? You can care. And you can try. And with that, we will take our break and we will hear from our sponsor. All right. So what else do we have on today? We've got, we discovered, we talked about uh, anxiety issues with teens. And I got overly personal because that's going to happen. And then we've got, what else we have on tap for tonight? Lady? Okay, what I'd like to cover next is four healthy fights that 
to have in a group marriage and two that are relationship destroying. Well, it's good we got to this because this is the one I actually promoted. See, I called it, can you have a healthy fight? I think is what I called the title of today's show. So it's a good thing we finally got to it other than the second half of the show. Well, to answer that, the, this article says fighting gives us a chance to deepen our understanding and appreciation for one another. Misunderstanding is the opportunity for us to clarify our core values, priorities, beliefs, and preferences, while also allowing us to learn more about how our partner perceives those very same concepts. Uh, That's why you fight. Well, yes, especially early on, but you yes. shouldn't be doing that 10 years in. Now that should be pretty much done. Well, yes. You know, five years in at that stage. Because at this stage, at five, you know, you either getting after five years, you're what? You're having the same argument if you're still fighting. How often are you going to come up with a new argument after five, six, seven years? How many, how many somethings you're going to actually fight over that's going to be different? I mean, unless somebody does something really freaking stupid, uh, it's going to end up being the same arguments. I'm suspecting. And so at that stage, is you've not dealt with it, whatever it is. And sometimes there's stuff that can't be dealt with. And you, okay, how, much, how important is this? Is this a ending thing? No, well, then up in the up attic the it goes. <laughs> up in the attic it goes. Because if it's not going to end anything, and if it's something that, you know, sometimes there's issues that can't be dealt with, except for by walking away. And so your choice is, is it that? No. Well, okay, then. There's no point in arguing over it, because that's just going to create its own trauma. And so you can you be, ever become comfortable with it? And if the answer is no, with having no resolution and the answer is no well, then you have to end the relationship but if the answer is well I can put it in a box and stick it on the shelf and yeah it's going to annoy me every time I look at it but I just won't look at it very often and it'll be fine <laughs> <laughs> because everything else far overpowers that thing and so in the grand scheme of things that thing isn't as important as we think it is at the moments we get upset over it. Otherwise, you couldn't put it in the box. The very fact that you can put it in a box and stick it in the proverbial closet means that, you know, everything else overpowers it. Everything else is strong enough to shove it into the stupid little box and shove it in the closet and keep the closet door closed. Proverbially. I wanted to paint a picture of how you deal with these kind of things. Because there's no easy way. But disagreements. I see, I don't well, like... Well, five, four th healthy fights. Now, this first one, fight about money, choice, or communication. Uh, well, first, I want to be careful here. Those are the, the big ones. Those are the, the top three, apparently. There's a difference between having a heated discussion and a fight. And they may be using the word fight in a way to generate clicks. Okay. And so I wanted, because it's, 
it's a more interesting title to title an article, you know, four healthy fights to have in a marriage than four healthy, four healthy, intense discussions to have in a marriage. It just doesn't, doesn't, doesn't flow. <laughs> doesn't, right? doesn't, you know, more people are going to click on the fights. What fight? Just being clickbaity, which is its own problem, but I'm not here to fight that the battle. So I'm going to try my hardest to remember that I'm not going to be successful, but I'm going to try <laughs> to remember that. Okay. What's this first one? Fight about money, chores, or communication. If negotiating hot conflict help come to turn with other parties, beliefs, and preferences, then something as banal as drying the bottom of mugs before you put them in the cupboard is almost like practice for those bigger tete-a-tetes about how you're going to spend your stimulus check. No, if you're arguing about to have to dry off the cups before you stick them in the thing, you damn well better do it your damn self. With saying... If you want the cups extra dry from the dishwasher, then you better put them away yourself because that's expecting other people to do something that's your personal preference. Yeah, we don't do that around here. Well, we, we, <laughs> well we, we, we do. We do some. Well, some. Yeah, but it depends. But I'm not going to go extra dry at somebody's dishes. Dishes, no. <laughs> I'll say, all right, I'll wait an extra hour for them to get dry before I put them away. <laughs> but but I'm not brushing out the, the dish rag. To watch. No. That's what we have a dishwasher for. It's like I don't wash dishes before I put them in the dishwasher. I don't do it. That's what we have a dishwasher for. No, I should probably clean the dishwasher more often. These modern dishwashers aren't actually as good as the older ones. The older ones were like self-cleaning. You almost never had to clean them. These new ones you have to clean all the freaking time. Anyway. <laughs> but yeah, all that and fighting how to have a communication is how to communicate is probably the single biggest fight, argument, discussion people have. How to communicate? Yeah. It's just how do you properly communicate? Because you each come from your own family and friends network, which communicates differently. And so now you got to take these two things, and they're probably dysfunctional because we all, most of us, have dysfunctional communication in families. And so you get these two dysfunctional communications, you know, perspectives. And then you crash them together, and and then you throw like a child into the mix and money and, and all this kind of things. And yeah, man, yeah, I'm making. Now you got a show. <laughs> <laughs> you got the makings for a mess right there. And so you do. You have to. You literally argue over over. First, you argue over how to argue appropriately, and then you figure out how to argue over how to not argue when you're arguing. That's the real trick: is how to stop not. How to have a change the arguments into discussion. Into discussion. Yes, you're very good at that. Well, we're very good at that. We're very good. No, we're starting to get circular or we're starting to get emotional. No, time, time out. out. We're time out of here. Time out. I'll talk to you in a couple <laughs> minutes. Bye. <laughs> yeah, but we trust. The thing is, there's trust that will come back. 
Well, yeah, we have a ten-year tr track record. There's, a, there's the trust. Well, I mean, it didn't take us ten years. There's the trust. We, 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 we made the leap of trust before we had the track record. True, 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 true. We made the leap of trust that we'll come back, but that's because we're old, and we've kind of figured. Yeah, that we were we, a little bit older when we got together. Yeah, yeah. You know, I'm forty. I was forty. You were forty. I was I was fifty. <laughs> You already said it. I was so. 49. I was 49. You're still 49? I'm I was 48, man. actually. We're coming up on 11 years together in July. So, it's a... Uh, but so we made, we made the leap of faith first. And it's hard when you're young to do that because, quite frankly, it's far easier. Because as teenagers, you avoid these discussions as best you can. And then all of a sudden, as an adult, you have to have them. And changing that mindset is difficult, and it's often painful. <laughs> it's often painful for everybody involved. Because you both have to do it. Everybody's having to relearn how to, to communicate. And then you mix in the fact that, you know, men and women communicate differently. We want to communicate differently at different times for different reasons. And so I almost think it would be easier. You would think that it would be easier for women and women to have a relationship and men and men to have a relationship. It just doesn't seem to actually be any easier. Yeah. Because you think, the, really? well, you'd think the communication styles would make it, would make it easier. easier, but it doesn't. I've heard all I hear from people who have had re relationships with both is that women the women relationships become too much for people who are bisexual now i guess maybe for true lesbians it's different i've actually oddly enough i've never talked to my sister about it the difference but when it's bisexual they, they don't like having the long-term relationship i don't say don't like it's probably the wrong word long-term relationships with women are just as difficult as men it's just differently why why is differently it's in a sense that the the lack of emotion from men is a break well to tell you the truth <laughs> i'm bisexual i've had relationships with women and i prefer relationships with men for exactly that reason, <laughs> I have to be the emotional one. I can't deal with somebody else who's more emotional than I am. <laughs> well, and that, but maybe that's the difference between the, a bisexual person and a general lesbian and a gay person and a bisexual person is, is that they want the relationship. They want the relationship. It's the, yeah, it's the relationship part. And it's not just sex. It's, it's the, no, it's it is that it's not just sex. No, it's, it's that you know they need that emotional mix or the lack of emotional mix. Is is it works on the other way? It's they're too distant. They don't want to communicate, or you get it the other way. The guy too much like a goddamn woman. <laughs> Guys too much like a woman. And you you wanted to have a relationship with a guy because you wanted to have a relationship with a freaking guy. You didn't want to have 
you know, someone who is too emotional on that. And so, so all my point is, is all these things is that relationships yeah. are freaking hard. No matter, no matter what your make makeup of it is. Yes. Relationships and it's are just hard. how they just manifest itself differently and how men and women communicate is just women are from Mars, men are from Venus, that old book. It's freaking true. At least in concept, the book may not have been exactly accurate, but the concept was. <laughs> Fight about how you spend your time. Well, if there is one thing we have discussions about, is that one. We have discussions mm-hmm. about that, yes. What to do with our time. Yeah, because we like different spending our time different ways. Yes, we do. And so there is that. But... If that's our biggest issue, we'll take it. <laughs> really? I'll take it. <laughs> you know, you'd like to, which is strange. It's, you'd like to go out a little bit more than I do, but not. Yes, I do. I like to go out. I would like to go to restaurants and movies and after the pandemic. I even suggested rides, drives. You'd like to drive. Yeah, you can't take me to a restaurant, and you can't take me to a movie theater because no one likes going to movie theaters with me. You told me when we first got together, you would go to a rest, take me to restaurants, and you would sit there and just eat an appetizer, a salad. You said, "Yes, you did." Yeah, but we're poor, so that doesn't matter. So we can't afford that. So I've been lucky. <laughs> McDonald's doesn't count. <laughs> I love my fish sandwiches. <laughs> okay, number three, a fight about when to have children or where you should live. Those are normal. And a fight about your sex life. That's normal. Now, three, relationship-destroying fights. Okay, but this, this, the fight about your sex life is normal, but it's not necessarily healthy. Having discussions about your sex life, and those discussions will often be uncomfortable, but you should not be fighting about your sex life. Well, they put this, I like the way they put this, uh, you might not agree with your partner's desire, but not bringing them up up can lead to alienation and contempt. You should be able to have a discussion. They should feel free to express themselves. Yes, but this one should in no... shape, manner, or form have fight labeled anywhere near it. I agree. I agree. Not, you shouldn't. <laughs> this one should not have the word fight. It should not be anywhere near a discussion about your sex life because you need to keep that as, it's an emotional discussion at best. And it can go sideways so many different ways. And so you want to keep the best perspective as you can. And, it, and you should be mindful to always keep it a discussion you should never fight about your sex life there always be a discussion that's how you keep from fighting about your sex life you just don't want it it's just bad juju it just leads to bringing bad vibes into the part one part of your life that's supposed to be it's supposed to be the break from all the stresses and strains and trials and tribulations of the world. 
right? That's the time where you get to put all that other crap away and you get to just to spend whatever time you have. The rest of the world just becomes non-existent, right? That's... Yes. And... And that's why it's important. That's why, you know, it's such a big deal. But that's also why you don't want to have fights over it. Discussions, yes. And sometimes those discussions will be difficult. And sometimes you will might get heated. But you don't want to fight over it. Now, sometimes it will happen, but you don't want to. And I don't think that people giving relationship advice should be framing it as a fight. Okay. Three relationship-destroying fights. Okay. Fighting with the goal of changing your partner. Now, I don't know. Can't you have discussions to where you're trying to persuade your partner to your way of thinking? I mean, you're not trying to change behaviors but you are trying to change their mind about something they're thinking. Well, okay, I'm going to dive into a little bit of political theory as well because it's kind of the same thing. It's when you're trying to change somebody's mind, it's almost impossible to change their mind because you're approaching it with the wrong mindset. Uh. Because rather than trying to create an understanding... And let what happens happen. Because maybe there's a third way that you haven't thought of. Maybe there's a fourth way that we haven't thought of. And so by just engaging and having the general discussion and having the full conversation and just being open and honest, compassionate, and having an open mind back, you can actually get what you want far more often by doing that than you can by trying to Manipulate the conversation so someone more is more likely to agree with you. Because that's what ends up you doing. You're, what happens is you accidentally straw man arguments and you do all these kinds. Of, and it's not on purpose. You're not purposely trying to manipulate somebody. But you have an end goal rather than just having a conversation. And then allowing the conversation. Because if, if your argument is good and, and solid and where you want to go is logical and righteous and all that, you don't need to sell it. You just need to tell it. So that's the political theory. We'll go into <laughs> it. worked for me. <laughs> you know, I didn't win, but I punched well above my weight. <laughs> so we got that. Yes, you did. Okay. Fighting dirty, number two. You should never fight dirty. Yes. That's This can destroy a relationship through emotional warfare, name-calling, exaggerating flaws, and withholding affection all lead to feelings of invalidation and isolation. Yeah. Well... <laughs> Well, it's, there's actually something even worse than that. Because if you start fighting dirty, you're fighting to win. And if you're fighting to win, it means you're fighting to defeat the other person. And why do you want a defeated partner? Why do you want a partner who's defeated? 
Yes, it will ultimately build build up resentment and all that various stuff. But why would you want to do that to somebody you love? Why do you want to defeat somebody you love? What's the point? What's your end? What's your real end goal? Is the end goal for you to win this argument, or is your end goal to have a long, peaceful, loving, caring relationship? That's when you forget your your real goal. Is when you start to fight dirties. You've forgotten your real goal. The real goal in life is a long term, stable, loving, compassionate relationship. Not. Victory today in this subject for now. What about tomorrow? You have to do it again. Nothing good comes from it. And this is where men, men are bad at because we have a tendency to Learn to want to be victorious. It's in our genes. We, from our youngest of age, we play back, we play ball, stick in a ball. We want to win. It's not that we think less of our friend who we're playing ball against. He's our best friend. We're actually happy when he beats us, but we still want to win. And, you know, it can carry on to our relationships with women, and that's a bad thing. Some of us do our job and we try to teach our boys to be different. We try to teach our boys that there's times and places that which you, you treat your friends one way and you treat your you know, relationships differently because they're vastly different types of relationships. And if you do that starting from a young age, it's actually quite easy <laughs> and they take to it quite well. But if you start at 18 or in their teens, it's too late. And then they're going to have a long, difficult relationship. And their person that they love actually ends up bearing the brunt of it, of them learning how to become better human beings. It's a lot in life. It's not new. It's not today's culture. It's nothing today. It's been thousands upon thousands of years. We're better now than we've ever been. So, you know. Trust me, there's no time in past where you'd rather... We have this discussion about the time in past. How far would you go back in past? I wouldn't go past 1980. <laughs> there's no way in hell I'd want to go back and live anywhere before 1980. And even that's pushing it. <laughs> the world sucked before then, man. Why do you want to go back there? Oh, it's all judged. We think today's world is bad. No. I'm just just saying, man. We're we're we're, all, we're getting better. Are we are we perfect? Are we where we want to be? Are we good human beings yet? No, we're not. But we're working on it. <laughs> you know, we're on the path. We're we're getting better. So what we got what's the last one? Last one: fighting that abuses power and control. This is the worst kind of fighting there is. It, 
one that exhibits abuse of power and control, emotionally or physically abusive fights, embarrassed, blamed, shame, use bullying behaviors and physical violence that diminish a partner's self-concepts and deteriorates their mental health. Well, yes, all that is true, but the people who are going to do that aren't reading this article. So if you're in a relationship like that and you feel that that's it, get the hell out because there's nothing you can do for someone who that's just in a predator and an abusive personality and it's not your job to fix them. You can't do it to don't. Yeah. I'm very rarely this hard on anything, but because there are times when stress and circumstances lead people to behave out of character. That's different than a pattern of abuse, uh, abusive behavior. And you know, none of it's excusable. I'm not saying I'm just, I'm just saying that it's a, it's a different thing. One thing can be dealt with. One can't. One thing can be dealt with. Maybe one thing can't, you know, that's, they're just, they're vastly different. One's a predator and one's a flawed human being who needs help. Whether you're part of that help or not is a completely different discussion, but one's a predator and one's a flawed human being who needs help. Now, whether we as individuals can tell the difference or are good at telling the difference, we're not. So, that's why the thing is, it's easiest to say, just go. But there is this chance. And, you know, you may want to look in the mirror. Am I deliberately pushing someone's buttons until they crack? That does happen. One of the things we don't talk about is every study they've done found that actually abuse happens relatively equally among men and women. Yes. So we all, we all look at the abusive man as kind of the stereotype, and for good reasons. I'm not complaining about it. I'm not going to sit here and spend any time complaining about it, because there's good reasons for it. But we should be able to have the wider discussion. I don't mind the stereotype, but we should have the wider discussion, because they're not always mutually exclusive. But the danger from the predator is far too great to, you know, even though the predator is probably the smaller percentage of it it, it, and the rest can be dealt with. It's such a, it's such a danger that it's, I understand why we deal with it the way we do. It's completely understandable. Yes. It's tragic for the cases that's not, but it's even more tragic. (laughs) What do you do? There's no good answers to some of these things. No, so we've got, I do want to cover this one last thing though, because it's only going to be quick though, my love. I know she's sitting here tapping on her watch. She's ready to be done. But where did it go? I just had it. It was my mother-in-law insists on cooking, but she's awful at it. <laughs> yeah, I don't have any experience <laughs> with this. Your mother's a great cook. But what do you do with someone that just 
kind of an awful cook when someone in your family or your friends. Yeah, she wasn't. I read this article. She wasn't. She wasn't complaining that it was awful. It's just bland. She is. She tries, and, but we get by with basic staples like tacos and prepackaged lasagna. She wants a little more excitement to her meal. Oh well, well, suck it up, Buttercup. No, I'm sorry, but when you're feeding a large amount of people, your food has to be, by the very nature, be a little bland. Then, when you're feeding four or five, and you can actually understand what the people. There can and cannot tolerate when you're feeding 15 or 20 and you have to make your food a little bit bland. And for those of you who like, you know, more exciting food, you're all just going to have to cope. Bring some spices with you. Because not everybody experiences food the same way. Yeah. And this is one of these things, again, it's very personal. We all don't experience food the same way. And I've never experienced food the same way, but even... More recently, it's become even uh, more stark real, you know. It's become more real since the concussion. At least now I have something to blame. <laughs> I can just go since the concussion food all tastes crappy, so I just don't go anywhere or I have to deal with food. But it's not that much different for me. Food all tasted. Food never tasted for me the way it tastes like for other people. I experience food differently. And if you actually go off and you watch the world, that's why some people like their meat raw and some people like it, you know, cooked. It's why some people like, you know, raw vegetables and some people like them steamed. And there's no right way to cook. That's why there's this vast difference of food. So we can all feed our own palates because we all experience the world differently. And with that, we are going to end tonight's show. So please remember to take care of each other, to love each other, to visit us at latenightlove.us. You can send Lovey a Dear Lovey letter at love at, let me me get it, let me make sure I've got it, love at latenightlove.us. You can hit me up at jazzrack on Twitter. Or you can always find us here at Facebook with Facebook slash Late Night Love. And if you would like to help us out, you can go to Anchor FM slash Late Night Love and click the sponsor button, I believe is what it's called. And we would greatly appreciate it. Thank you for your time. Good night. And please remember to love everybody. 